You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network. Welcome to a brand new episode of On to the Next One, the podcast here on the MMA Fighting Podcasting Network. I am Mike Heck, being joined by my fellow matchmaker extraordinaire, Mr. Alex K. Lee. How are you, AK? Oh, Michael Heck. What do we what do we have brewing for the viewers and the and the fighters today? I wow. I was trying a new I was trying a new you know, we're still early in the show. I like I feel like it's <laughs> not to, you know, we can still establish voices, but I'll just I'll just talk like this for now. All right. Well, today we are going to look at some of the matches to make following UFC on ESPN 14, Whitaker versus Till. And if you'd like to give us your thoughts on fights to make after Saturday night's event, hit us up on Twitter. AK is at Alexander K. Lee. I am at MikeHeck underscore JR. AK, let's get into this thing. Robert Whitaker gets back in the win column in the main event of Saturday night's card. He outlasts Darren Till. In a very important middleweight main event, gets 48-47 from all three judges. The Reaper gets it done following the loss to Israel Adesanya. My question, AK, where does he go from here? How can it not be Jack Hermanson? You know, the, the Joker laid it out so perfectly after his last win. He said, he said Jared Cannonier fights the winner of uh, Adesanya Costa, and I'll fight the winner of uh, Whitaker Till. It, it, it makes a lot of sense. It makes sense for where they are in their careers. It makes sense for the title implications because Whitaker really shouldn't be more than one or two fights away from a title shot. Hermanson shouldn't be more than one or two uh, fights away from a title shot. So two classy guys, uh, easily they have the name value. Could headline a headline a uh, you know a fight night or again or, or be like a featured fight on a, on a pay per view. It's it really just makes so much sense. Uh, I have other suggestions, but that's the one that I think I don't think anyone could argue with. Yeah, to me this is easy. It's Hermanson. He laid it. Laid it out for us last weekend. It worked out perfectly. And I said last week, and I can't go back on it, that if Whitaker wins a close decision, the plan makes sense. And it does. So there's no need for a long explanation. I do see a lot of people saying that Whitaker should fight Cannonier. I, I don't hate that idea, but I don't think... I think Cannonier should fight the winner of... Especially with Darren Till not getting the win on Saturday night. I think Cannonier should fight the winner of Adesanya and Costa. I think he's earned that title shot at this point. But, you know, if Paulo Costa beats Adesanya, you know, maybe. But I, I feel like Hermanson laid it out perfectly for us. I do. I agree. I've thrown out I, – I have a name. I know we're about to move on. So this is kind of – this kind of help transition because I have – I thought of a name, uh, if not the logical choice of Hermanson, uh, a name that could fit for Whitaker or Till. Uh, and that is – and I, I, I tend to do this a lot, I think, and I think we will, I will in the future, uh, throwing out kind of legends names. Anderson Silva. I don't know when he's coming back. We don't know what's up with the spider. I know he was recently cleared to train again after having some sort of, uh, I think, a knee surgery. So, uh, I mean, it's not a fight that Whitaker would want as far as, oh, this gets me closer to a title shot necessarily. Though I guess it would. I guess any win really would get him. He's really, like I said, one win away. It almost doesn't matter who he fights. Uh, but I think it's a fight that, again, anyone would take, including, again, I think the man we're, we're, we'll discuss either next or later, Darren Till, uh, you know, coming off a loss. I'm sure he would, he would love that matchup. I think it's an intriguing one people would like to see. So if we're going outside the box here, I'm just saying people don't forget about Anderson Silva. He's out there and he's looking for a big middleweight fight. So that, that that wasn't a till pick. That was a just, you know, y'all must have forgot kind of a thing. Or is that your till pick? 
That's a little bit of a till pick as well. I, I, I want to hear your till pick first, and then I'll tell you my, my, my what, what I think I prefer for till, though. All right. Well, as far as Darren Till goes, I mean, he needs knee surgery, it looks like, so who knows how long he's going to be out for. But we do have two guys who are about to throw fisticuffs in the octagon next month who are very exciting that fans enjoy watching. And for timing purposes, two guys who aren't incredibly active fighters, AK. I'd like to see Till get the winner of Yoel Romero versus Uriah Hall. And if we're being fair, win or lose, Till versus Romero, either way, sounds like a blast to me. Uh, Till has said in the past, mostly jokingly, that he is afraid of Romero. I, I think it was when he was saying he was coming up to weight 185, and you know, that was one of the matchups, I guess, that was kind of tossed out there. And he's, he's, he's very clearly said he is very afraid of Yoel Romero, as most uh, intelligent human beings are. So uh, there's that kind of funny element to it. And, and, and I, I'm sure he would sign up for the fight should it happen. But... I'm with you, except I want. I would say the Hall Romero loser. I I don't know. I don't know if Till. He, it was a good performance last night. I don't want to say it was so good that we're like, oh well, he's clearly like, he's clearly still a top five guy. I mean, he knocked off. He 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 beat Gaslam, and again, a good fight, but not like a dominant fight. And then he lost in a you know uh, in a good fight, but not one that he was dominated in. So we're we de- we're definitely seeing how competitive he can be at 185 pounds. He just has the ability to take almost anyone into a, into a, a hard, tricky fight. And I think that's what's so intriguing about him, besides all the social media stuff and and uh, his ability to cut a promo and things like that. So I, I I'm again same same matchup, but the Hall Romero loser. Uh, yes, I would prefer Romero, I think, but I kind of like the idea of him fighting Hall too. Hall is so unpredictable. And I think him, him and Till would, would bring out the best in each other. Yeah, I think I, I think we're kind of on the same island here. Pun completely intended, I guess, with Fight Island. But uh, I don't get I'm, it. I'm down for either of those. I'm down I'm for either of those fights. And and Romero's what lost four in a row, right? Yes. So it's yeah, not no, like yeah. it's not like Romero's ranked number three right now. I mean, it seems like it's surprising that he's not and that he's lost four in a row because no one really kind of equates that together. But I mean. I think rankings-wise, either either one of those two guys makes sense. But uh, in the co-main event, Mauricio Shogunhua defeated the now-retired Antonio Rogerio Nogueira in a fun fight. Both guys just beat the hell out of each other. And people tend to forget this about Shogun, AK. That man has only lost one fight in his last seven appearances. So personally, I think this piece of matchmaking business is going to be pretty easy, but I'm going to defer to you to go first. It's so easy that I know what you're going to say, and I'm not going to go that way with it. Though I, though I already in advance, I'm agreeing with what you're going to say. But I want to give people a little, a little something else to chew on. Uh, as you said, he does have a surprising sort of un, uh, unbeaten, not unbeaten, but six unbeaten in six of his last seven. So, and at the UFC level, I don't care who you're fighting. That's that's really impressive. Uh, but I'm going to go a little. Oh, and by the way, of course, if anyone's wondering, we are not going to do Antonio Hoger and Oguera because we wish him happy trails. Uh, it was supposed to be his last fight last night. He didn't say anything to the contrary, and he's had a great career. And uh, next for him is just enjoy retirement, enjoy his life. Um, Shogun, I kind of like. I don't know how people feel about this. Volkan Uzdemir. Oh, boy. Volkan. No. I don't hate it. Let me finish. Everyone, let me finish. (laughs) Everyone who's listening around, don't, don't, no, 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 don't change, don't turn the, don't, don't open up another podcast. You can listen about, uh, you know, uh, seagull formations uh, on NPR or whatever later. But no, uh, uh, Volkan Uzdemir is ranked uh, in the top 10 still. You know, he is coming with that loss to Yuri Prohashka. So he fought someone recently. His record in the UFC is is five and four, which is kind of deceiving because it's all been almost all been against elite competition. So that five and four is, is a lot better than it looks. 
And I think, but I think if you want to give uh, Shogun one last hurrah, I would like to see him against a somewhat relevant contender. Uh, I just can't see any like super fun uh, remaining like legend fights for him, like we just saw with with Little Nod, the trilogy bout. Uh, so, and again, ideally, mo- most importantly, I think has been mentioned is that he wants to fight in front of a crowd. So hopefully, this can happen some international show, if not on Fight Island. Uh, I don't know if they end up somewhere in Europe, if that becomes a possibility. But it needs to be in front of a cr- crowd, regardless who he fights. And I think him and Uzdemir could could make a moment, uh, whether it's a happy one or sad one for Shogun. I'm not sure. Interesting. I, I, I like that matchup quite a bit. I think it's Paul Craig. Those two guys never turn the page. Craig called him out after his win to sort of run that one back. He also called out Ryan Spann and somebody else. I forget who else he called out. But Shogun was was sort of at the forefront for the rematch. So that makes perfect sense to me. Uh, and thank you to Paul Craig and to Shogun Hua for making our jobs just much easier, at least mine anyways. And shouts, <laughs> shouts to little Nog going off into retirement. What a legend he is. Uh, Fabricio Redoom submits Alexander Gustafson in the first round, and I bet he cost a lot of people some money on Saturday night. But he's in a very interesting spot with it being the last fight on his UFC deal. And heading in, it was more of, I'm not resigning. This is it. I'm done with the UFC after this fight. And then in the post-fight scrum, he didn't close the door on returning. He was just like, eh, maybe. I'm not saying no. But I thought he laid it out perfectly, in my opinion. I think Bellator, AK, is going to throw a bunch of money at him. He has the Fedor bargaining chip that the UFC doesn't have, that one championship doesn't have. And if he beats Fedor, he could fight Ryan Bader for the chance to become a world champion over there. I think his UFC run is done, and he needs... He needs to, to to get that money. So I think he heads back to work with Mr. Scott Coker, heads to Bellator, and gets some fun fights. What do you think? You know, I think we saw today, wasn't there that story? Or I think Ali Abdelaziz tweeted that uh, his management team has now been verified by uh, one championship, so they can do business now. So I believe, I, I, I think people are taking that as a hint that Purdue might head over to one championship, but I don't, he's an Ali guy, right? Yes. Yeah, but I don't see the major appeal in that. The the one uh, championship heavyweight division is very thin. Unless people are really craving like a fight with Brandon, it'd be a rematch. That was a fight. They, he fought Brandon Vera, right? Didn't he? Didn't uh, he knocked him out? His yep. UFC, yeah, that's right. He knocked him out. Uh, I think if I'm remembering that correctly. Sorry, people, my brain's a little rattled. Because um, I totally, I totally did not think about the one thing last night until I saw that things sort of come out this morning. Um, it's third UFC fight he knocked out Brandon Vera. So, uh, or Arjun Bular, sure, I guess. But really, there's not a lot of options for him in, in one. Um, it's always a cool place to go and fight, I suppose. But as far as heavyweights go, if we're talking about match, interesting matchups, it's a little short. So I, I I like the Fedor thing, of course. I like the possibility of Ryan Bader. But I, I'd like to go full crazy. And I said, I said, look, there's no intriguing heavyweight matchups in one. But I think if you go to Japan with Ryzen, I think it's time for, for Doom to go on a freak show run. I want him in there with Akabono. I want him in there with Bob Sapp, uh, Mighty Mo. Let's go. Let's get I, – I think Hongman Choi is still – I don't know if he still has done MMA in a while. But he's still kickboxing, so we can see that back in MMA. It's freak show time. Let's do it. All right. I mean, I don't know if he's at, like, freak show – levels at this point because i mean he looked pretty damn good on saturday night so i don't know if we're, i don't know if we're quite there yet but i don't hate it i'd watch hashtag would watch new year's eve would be would be a lot of fun uh and as far as mr gustafson goes thoughts oh. on that oh sorry i blacked everything i blacked out again uh i've got another kind of a funky pick which i don't think people are considering i don't want to see him return to 205 i mean i think 
last night was just uh, – I should say Saturday. I don't know when this going to air. But Saturday was such a tough night for him. I mean you're talking about a former world champion in Verdum. He's a really, really strong heavyweight. You know, some guys are heavy, like that, – that really is the difference. Uh, it doesn't matter what they win. I think they only weighed it in just separated by like two pounds. So it was like 242 for Doom, 240 for Gustafson. But it really doesn't express how strong uh, real heavyweights are. And Verdum is a real heavyweight through and through. And anyone who's watched him grapple, man, you, you, he is – once he gets on you, boy, that guy is unreal. And, and the arm bar he locked on yesterday was just textbook. I mean, textbook how to break a guy down on the ground and, and pull it off. So it was just a nightmare matchup for Gus. I, I of course, foolishly picked him to win uh, for reasons that are not even worth trying to explain. Uh, so Gustafson, I want to see him fight another actually veteran heavyweight, but one who I think is a better style matchup for him, Andre Arlovsky. Ooh, I thought we were going to be in agreement here. That was close. Oh, I thought okay, about you that. Got? I thought you about got? that. Big Ben. Yes. Gus versus Ben Rothwell. I mean, you hear that? That's me pushing my chips in the middle right now. They're slowly re- – yep, there they are. They're, they're, they're collapsing in the middle of the table. I am all in on Gustafson versus Big Ben Rothwell. And uh, Big Ben would love that because he has he has said I think he said ahead of the OSP fight like these light heavyweights they're getting a little they're getting a little jumpy you know they're getting a little presumptuous as far as thinking like oh we'll just go up to heavyweight now because it's a kind of an aging division and take over and Big Ben was like mm, it's not gonna work out like that it's not uh, no it's really I'm not really really not about that life yeah I I don't want to see Gus go back to 205 there's no need to cut 35 40 extra pounds I thought he looked strong at 240 just Verdum when he takes you to the ground he's just a savage like doesn't matter if it's Gustafson or any literally anybody else in that division if he gets you in the mat that's probably going to happen to you so um lots of options for both those guys but we go to the strawweight division carla esparza gets the split decision win over marina Rodriguez. great matchup carla got touched up pretty good but she was a dog as usual and gets the win and listen there's options for esparza there's no doubt about it i think and I've said this a bunch of times in our past columns for this. I think the rematch with Ioanni and Jacek is 1,000% the fight to make. Because not only that, she needs to get that one back. That bad taste out of her mouth. But if, if we're really going to... If we're really going to determine if Carla Esparza is ready to fight for the title, she needs to beat Ioanni and Jacek to get there. If she wants to... It seems like she wants to get back to the title. But it doesn't seem like she's in a giant rush to get to the title. So I doubt the Yuana fight happens now because I think Yuana's going to get the rematch with Zhang Wei Li with Nami Yuna's on the shelf. So I think this one's pretty easy, AK. Give the division's newest potential star exactly what she wants. Amanda Hebas wants Carla Esparza. Let's give it to him. I, let's give it to her. I, I think it's a big name right now for Esparza as well. I think it's a winnable fight for Carla. And, and Hebas gets a bump either way, in my opinion. If she loses, like, wow, what a, what a savage taking on a legend and a veteran like that, a four, the, the inaugural strawweight champion in, like, her fourth UFC fight. And if she wins, that's a huge notch in the old belt. So this is the fight I see happening. I think they go to to the Esparza versus Hebas matchup, and uh, that's what I think. AK, what's your thoughts on the Cookie Monster's future after her win on Saturday? Well, Asparza now won four straight, and it's not, I get it, it's not kind of the sexiest run of results. You got unanimous decision, majority decision, split decision, split decision. I, I know people don't like that, but most of these fights are pretty competitive and and and, uh, and fairly entertaining. I actually thought the fight with Rodriguez was was uh, was a good one to watch. It, w- it was gritty, but in a good way. You know, yeah. we call some of these fights grueling sometimes, but this was grueling in like a dramatic way, which I like. Uh, I, I, I want to see you get the title shot. I think... I know it's not something people are clamoring for. And like you said, uh, a matchup with Joanna, a rematch would be great. Uh, They're both at different stages of their careers. Uh, I think one of the worst things about MMA is is people being so averse to rematches sometimes. But this one makes a lot of sense. But if we're not going to do that, 
And uh, again, Anyawana doesn't get the rematch, which would also be with Zhang Weili, which would be okay. I think I think Asparza is worth it. I said on yesterday's uh, on uh, Saturday's post fight show that um, it it's not always you know, contenders don't always need to be this like uh, amazing challenge for the champion. As weird as that sounds, uh, they need to have a credible resume. I find which which helps and uh, which Asparza definitely does. And I like it when they're fresh. It would be their first time fighting. Uh, I just want uh, Zhang Weili to get back in there. Let let the champion cook. You know, if if it's a blowout, it's a blowout. Let the champion cook. Anderson Silva made his name on a lot of blowouts. Some great champions in the past have made their names on on uh, styling on opponents. And if Zhang Weili can style on Asparza, more power to her. And uh, and it's a fight I, I would certainly like to see. I, I'm not gonna say, I, I'm not gonna say I wouldn't hate that because I I kind of do hate it. <laughs> I don't know why. I just I feel like this story needs to continue building before we get her back into a title shot. I just don't want to see. I think what we've seen from Asparza, especially after the loss to Joanna. Getting back to where she is now has been pretty impressive. I think we can both agree on that. But I just don't want to see it her thrust into that spot and have her lose and then just have that her opportunity to become a champion once again after being the first in the division just deteriorate. Because she's only going to get one more chance at it. Like, if she goes in there now and loses to Zhang Weili, she's not fighting for a title anytime soon, if ever again. So I want that story to be built up a little more. Maybe it's just me being a nostalgic storyline guy, the pro wrestling mark, so to speak. But I'd rather see that sort of Ric Flair build where you just keep fighting and until you lose. Just keep going, and then you get the title shot. And if you lose, then we go from there. But uh, I'll be honest. I'll be honest. Maybe I'm just not confident that she can get past uh, Yoana or uh, or Hibas. Maybe maybe that's it. Maybe maybe I'm maybe that's why I'm trying to rush Carla into this. Maybe I'm thinking too much about her getting a title shot and not worrying, like you said, about whether she can reach the point where she can actually really have a chance to win it. Yeah, give her Hibas. Give her Claudia. Those are the, those fights that she has expressed interest in, and then if she wins both those fights. And, and she's in that position where you just have nothing else to do, then you give her the title shot. But I think she wants to get there, but I, I have to see the Ioana fight before it happens. And I, don't, I haven't heard her say Ioana's name once. But let's head to the Fight Island MVP, AK. And no, it wasn't Kamar Usman, wasn't Jorge Mazdal, wasn't Piotr Jan, wasn't Alexander Volkanovsky, not Calvin Cater, not Davis Figueiredo, not Robert Whitaker. It was Hamzat Shamayev. Two dominant, near-perfect finish wins over a 10-day span. I think he outstruck John Phillips and Reese McKee a combined, like, 7,041 to 2. I mean, I'm yep. exaggerating, but it was like 192 <laughs> to 2 or something like that. You know how I feel about this, AK, and I'm going to get into it in a moment. You don't necessarily agree with me on this one, but what is next for one of the most terrifying new fighters in the sport of mixed martial arts? Uh, listen... All the respect in the world to Chimaev. Uh, he went from unknown to internationally known in a span of 10 days. Maybe one of the five, uh, you know, most successful names to come out of this uh, this fight out these four fight island card, which is crazy when you consider who was the kind of people that were booked on it. I mean, Usman, Masvidal, Figueiredo, Hivas, uh, uh, Whitaker. There was so much star power, and I would put. Chimaev in that top five of the people who competed, uh, which is, sounds absurd. Uh, however, uh, that splashing sound you hear is uh, the turd beating the punch bowl, uh, the, uh, proverbially speaking, uh, because I, 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 I am not. I don't know why, why are people so hungry to see this guy rush. That's just his eighth pro fight, okay. And the two guys he fought, with respect to John Phillips and Reese McKee, are not do not have strong wrestling. The, the, Phil, John Phillips, incredible punching power. 
is not a has zero grappling ability. This is proven. Reese McKee a little more unproven as as some semblance of a grappling game, but not the kind of wrestling that's near the level of a Chimaev. So uh, I can't speak to his opponents before the UFC, but I need to see him face someone with some semblance of takedown defense first before we start saying he should go in there with like again Kamar Usman or. Oh, Tyron Woodley, whatever names it is, that all these names that got thrown out yesterday, just everything, just like these dream matches. So I'm excited for Chimaev. I want to see him fight a star someday, but what is the rush? So I, as I did, as I've mentioned previously, I am throwing in a very practical and boring name uh, who, 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 is, who beat a UFC veteran recently, by the way, uh, former Contender Series contract winner, Miguel Baeza. The, they have identical 8-0 records. Do the math. Let's all settle down. You cannot put two unbeaten prospects against each other I just did. right now. You can't Mike, do I that. Just, Mike, I just did. Uh, then you just you, you wipe one of them away. Like, what if he Life goes out there and just steamrolls Baeza, which, let's fair. be honest, most people expect that to happen. And Sorry this is nothing against luck. Baeza. But then he's Sorry. done. You just knocked him back to, like, the <laughs> bottom of the division. Done. We learn more from our losses than our wins, Michael. We uh, learn more from our losses than our wins. So you go from Matt Brown to this savage? I, I, don't, <laughs> I don't like it at all. In fact, I, I completely disagree with you. I think you throw him to the Wolves, AK, or you, if you don't throw him to the Wolves, maybe I'll meet you halfway. You at least give him a name, like a very big name that everybody knows. Like at worst, this, I, at worst, I want a top 15 guy for him. I preferably want a top 10 guy for him. He called out Damian Maya. I love I, I love that idea. I think that's perfect. I would not hesitate with that whatsoever. I don't think that's the direction they're going to go. Damian Maya is on the farewell tour, so I think he's going to want like nostalgic matchups with with names like the Diego Sanchez's, maybe the Wonder Boy Thompsons of the world. So I don't think that fight intrigues him very much. But I think that's what they're going to try to put together. Like I, I think if they gave him like a Rafael dos Anjos or somebody like that, I could not be more in if they did that. Like, when you have a talent like this, you just got to throw him out there and see what happens. Like, that's what he wants. Like, he's clamoring for it. Like, Zabit Magomed Sharapov, like, when he came out, it was always, you know, I, I think I'll be the champion someday. Whoever the UFC wants to give me, you know, I'm down with that. Sean O'Malley was the same way. He went to a decision. He went to two decisions in his first two UFC fights, if memory serves me correctly. Same thing. Whatever the UFC wants me to do, that's what we're going to do. And yes, you built those guys up to where they are today. This guy has come out and said, MMA is easy. I would kill Donald Cerrone. I will be the best pound for pound fighter in the world in like a year. Give it to him. Two wins, 10 no. days, two finishes, two bonus. Talking that noise. Give him Donald Cerrone. I am fine with that. It meets right down the middle, okay? This is not a top 15 guy. It's not a top 10 guy, but it's a guy with a name. And let's be honest, AK. If we're thinking about like the total rankings overall at 170 pounds, Baeza and Cerrone, they're probably not that far apart. So if he loses to Donald Cerrone, it's not the end of the world. You're not like blocking his path. He's an 8-0 guy who's shooting for the stars. You can't complain about that whatsoever. He's in a win-win spot. If he beats Cerrone, boom. If he loses to Cerrone, you know, good try, man. At least he tried. That's the position he's put himself in. Mike, uh, you're a father, and you should know <laughs> that children can be rambunctious, and we have to protect these children from themselves, okay? I loved I loved the chatter from young 26-year-old uh, young Chemayev. Uh, he's saying all the right things, very, a massively entertaining uh, personality, and, and, uh, and, a, and actually a fun wrestling style. You know, sometimes wrestlers get criticized for being boring. He is not 
he is not a boring wrestler by any means. He's really, really, really fun to watch. Um, but again, these are things he says because he doesn't know better. He said MMA is too easy. It's a cool, it's a cool sound bite, but that does not mean that that he should be thrown to the wolves like this. I want to protect Shemaya, right? Unlike the rest of you, I, I care about this young man, and I don't need to see him thrown in there with a, with a Donald Cerrone or Rafael Dos Anjos or, or Damian Maya. Again, matchups which I think he would win, I would certainly pick him to beat Cerrone. Uh, but but if he doesn't, I do think it is more hurtful than you think. I think, you know, Alexander Hernandez, I think, lost a lot of hype when he ran Cerrone and, and, and lost that fight. This is different, though. This is it's different. different. It's very different. It's very different. It's very different. But I'm, I'm just saying, the losses, these MMA fans can be fickle, and these losses matter. Uh I, I have no my my bias name was probably a little too lukewarm, uh, you know, and and like you said, a prospect versus prospect thing is not always not always the best thing for anyone. But I feel like there has to be a middle ground between another prospect and a top fifteen or or, or twenty you know twenty fight veteran. Uh, so I don't know exactly who it is. I'm sticking with my guns with Baeza. Uh, I think Jose was a Jose that mentioned Anthony Pettis yeah. or Casey. Uh, so there's names, there's names, but it's it, it just shows you how insane his ten day run was. That it's opened up literally any possibility, and if it if it got booked, like if tomorrow he got booked against Don Cerrone, I wouldn't be surprised. If he got booked against Damian Maya, I wouldn't be surprised. If he got booked against again Baeza or another prospect, I wouldn't be surprised. That is called a fighter capturing your imagination when he can be booked literally almost against literally anyone in his division, and you're just like, yeah, okay, this is a, this is a logical next move for him. So very exciting. Now that's why he's the Fight Island MVP because we spent more time talking about what's next for Hamayev than anybody else on Fight yeah. Island. Anybody. Champions, challengers, doesn't matter. Uh, but I'm re- it doesn't matter who he fights. I'm watching, but I think he's going to get a, a, a pretty good name, someone we recognize or at least in the top 15 because I think Dana White is all in on this guy. So uh, as we move ahead to another exciting prospect, uh, Mavzar Evloev looked fantastic in his decision win over Mike Rundy, which is no easy task whatsoever. AK, you know, I'm going to start with this one. I liked the Arnold Allen callout a lot. I think it's perfect in my opinion. But again, we're in, we're kind of in this position. Like, we, do, do we want to match these prospects up now, or do we wait till they're top five, knocking on the door of a title shot? So, I, while I like the callout, I disagree. I'm going a different direction. Let's give him a veteran with a name. I like a fight. With the gritty Darren Elkins, someone who's going to bring the dog out of him a little bit, test him in some different ways. It's a winnable fight for Evloev, but you match him up with the with a guy who's just going to bring it, who is in every single fight. I thought he beat Nate Landwehr, if we're being honest. I'm good with that. What do you think? My only issue with Elkins is, is he not on a he's on a four fight losing streak? Uh, and again, like you said, competitive fights. Not like it's not like he's getting blown out. And 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 also when you're a veteran. You cut, as we mentioned Cerrone before, once you reach a certain level of veteran status and you've had like 15 fights in the UFC, it almost doesn't quite matter what a losing streak you're on. You still have that name. And like you said, you're just recognized as a, as a reasonable opponent for a lower, a lower tier guy, a lesser known guy. So for a guy like Elkins, it's true. His name value is certainly much higher than a guy like Evloev. So that, that way makes sense. But I don't like that he's on a losing streak. I think Evloev, who's now 3-0 in the UFC uh, and 13-0 and as a pro, I think he needs to get someone else who's on the winning track. So... Uh, I like the Arnold Allen call out, except that Allen, if I'm Arnold Allen, I have zero interest in taking that fight. I don't know why you would do it. It's just a super dangerous fight. You've got your own winning streak. You should only be looking at 15, 15 or higher if you're Arnold Allen. So it makes no sense for him, um, uh, though it would be a good matchup. But no, uh, the other name I'll throw out there, which we've mentioned before, 
uh, Makwan Amerikani, Mr. Finland. Uh, now, I think we said uh, we, we saw matchups with him in like Ryan, uh, Charles Jordan and uh, Ryan Hall, and those would be great and certainly still options. But now that I've seen Evloev really, really uh, prove himself, 3-0 and is, in the UFC is kind of, for me, a good, you know, if you do 3-0 and and then you step up if you're a prospect. So uh, he beat, yeah, Mike Grundy, Enrique Barzola, and Sung Woo Choi, uh, solid names around uh, for a guy starting their UFC career. So uh, Mr. Finland, Makwan Amerikani, I think, I think that would be a good matchup for him. Yeah. I mean, Elkins is in such a weird spot because, like, look at the losses. Volkanovski, which he's the champion right now. Ricardo Lamas, that was a bad one. Ryan Hall, like, we saw, like, super Ryan Hall in that fight. This wasn't, like, <laughs> this wasn't, like, the dangerous grapple you submit you in the first round, Ryan Hall. This is, I'm going to throw spinning stuff at every point and drop you. Like, he, Darren, Darren Elkins has the damage tattooed on his body. And Unfortunately, young Ryan yeah. Hall walked in and started spin kicking him and dropping him <laughs> like that's I mean that's a different cat and then the Nate Landware fight another up and comer I thought he won that fight as did most people and I believe Dana White thought he won that fight as well so I mean it is what it is he's in this position where if, if we booked that fight people would be like "Ooh, this is a good one uh, I just think he needs somebody if we're talking about level and and how we rise up to the top 15 and and get those fights with the Arnold Allens and the Burgoses and those guys you got to put him in a in a test like that with a guy like a Darren Elkins that's going to push him to a different level. But uh, it's time for our wild card pick. One mm. fighter from each card. We we pick a wild card that we haven't discussed yet. So from UFC on ESPN 14 this past Saturday night, AK, what is your wild card matchmaking selection? Well, as you know, two of my fellow Canadians uh, put on spectacular performances, Tanner Bozer and uh, Jesse Ronson. Now, Bozer, I think, does not need help with matchmaking. He is zeroed in on a matchup with uh, the crochet boss, uh, Maurice Green. So I think that's a fine matchup. So, Tanner, uh, you've handled that well on your own. Now, Jesse Ronson uh, is, a, is a bit more of a difficult case because he's returning to the UFC. This is his technically his it's his second stint, but technically his third try. At the UFC, for anyone who remembers, he was with the company from like 2013, 2014, and lost some really tough fights like Kevin Lee, uh, Michelle Pizzeras, and uh, I think Trinaldo, uh, I think was the other one. So uh, three incredibly tough opponents, and then went back to the regional scene, then almost got another shot a couple of years ago, but he failed to make weight on short notice um, for this fight, a lightweight fight. And then was not given another chance, which I thought was incredibly unfair. So uh, it, this is really his third his third actual sh- shot at the OC. And he finally got a win. He beat Nicholas Dalby. Very tough fight. I did not pick him. I picked I picked Dalby to win. And and I owe I owe Jesse the body snatcher Ronson an apology. So I will give him some shine here, and mention a very very fun and winnable matchup for him. Someone who I think needs a little bit of image rehabilitation because his last fight was not as exciting as people thought. The king of kung fu. Muslim Salikov. Jesse Ronson, Muslim Salikov. Be a strong kickboxing battle. Ronson's got uh, a little more outside of his bo- uh, the, 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 his box, his toolbox and that. He's got some grappling too, obviously. But I think he'd want to keep it standing and, and show that off. So uh, Jesse Ronson, that one's for you, buddy. King of Kung Fu, show him what's up. I actually liked his Ronson's callouts with uh, Jalen Turner. Uh, but the least, uh, yes. the, the least Pena callout I really liked. <laughs> he wants to beat up the tall guys. He's I like, like he's it. Like, he's a eat something, he said. <laughs> yeah. Why are you guys... Why are you guys down at 155? What an interesting approach. I can't believe Luis Pena tried to get to 45, which is absolutely mind-blowing to me. But uh, AK, I'm going to throw this idea out there. And I know – we just talked about it with Darren Elkins. And I know people have this thing where you know, you, you can't understand why anyone would want to book a fight between a guy coming off a win against a guy coming off a loss. Like 
if we did if, if we put that rule into place it would be anarchy and we'd never get fights like we'd have like six fight cards at this point so here's what we're gonna do we're gonna give some love to the first victor of the night, the curtain jerker, so to speak. We're going to give some love to Nathaniel the Prospect Wood, who got a nice win over John Castaneda. Now, as we've discussed on multiple occasions on this platform, is John Castaneda a very tough out? Absolutely. Nathaniel looked great in that fight. He did what he was supposed to do. But is that win over John Castaneda, a guy taking a fight on two weeks' notice, is that going to put Nathaniel Wood in the top 15? Probably not. So, I'm going to be super selfish here, AK, and I'm going to book my wildcard fight that I want to see and that all of you listening to the sound of my voice hashtag would watch. I want to see the prospect versus Montel Jackson. I would say these are both guys that are top 25, okay? And, and I know what you're thinking. Well, Mike, you can't do prospect versus prospect. You just said you can't do that. This is Bantamweight. You have, like, no choice at Bantamweight. You literally have no <laughs> options. All these guys are prospects. Or they're, like, champions or former champions. So you have to do that. Like, Bantamweight is just a different division than everybody else. Jackson is coming off the loss to Brett Johns. But he's going to take a lot away from that loss. Like, he won that first round. He got exposed a little bit. He didn't pull the trigger. But you put him in there against a guy like Nathaniel Wood and Montel Jackson is going to have no choice but to pull the trigger. So if we're talking about exciting wild card style matchups, because I don't think Nathaniel Wood's really going anywhere that much higher after a win over Castaneda. It was a great performance. He looked great. But if you fought like Umar Magomedov, would the same thing have happened? I don't know. But he doesn't seem that interested in that fight. So give me the prospect versus quick. I'm down for that one. Yeah, and how about uh, Wood showing off that striking, which uh, he hadn't shown off much in the in the UFC. I mean, he had he had good striking before for sure, but uh, he really got to show it uh, against Castaneda because that was really solid stand up battle. I think he, I believe the on screen stat was something like his uh, significant strikes record was like sixty something, and I think he landed over a hundred significant strikes uh, in that three round fight on Saturday. So. Yeah, uh, look, he's called uh, he's called the prospect. Uh, he still is a prospect, so I like. And uh, Montel Jackson is certainly a prospect of the highest order, even even coming off of that loss. So, uh, yeah, man, I got no problem with that. I, I, I like you said that little middle part of like 135. It's it's really exciting to see who's going to break out from there in the next couple of years, and it certainly could be either either of these guys. Well, AK, we've done it. We've made some matchups, and if you agree, disagree, have your thoughts on what fights you'd like to see following UFC on ESPN 14, hit us up on Twitter. He is at Alexander K. Lee. I am at Mike Heck underscore JR. AK, it's literally on to the next one for us. The UFC returns to Las Vegas this Saturday with another fun made event and 185 pounds. Uh, we're talking about Edmund Shabazian and Derek Brunson. I see this is how many cards there are. Yes, originally uh, Holly Holm versus Irina Aldana, of course, um, but that that fight was off. And now we're getting, I I in my opinion, and I think some people would say this as well, a more intriguing uh, main event uh, and and possibly more exciting on paper. Um, the Aldana is a great striker, and you know Holly Holm is can be very tactical, but uh, Brunson and Shabazian, it almost feels like it has to end in a finish. You don't want to jinx it because when it's two guys with this kind of power, they're certainly going to be respectful of each other. But man, uh, Shabazian has shown nothing but promise, uh, and uh, Brunson is known as a prospect killer. So. Uh, it's 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 really exciting and I'm, again uh i'm already so you, i think we're both already kind of cooking in our mind what could be next for them uh after after next week's card for next week's episode of on to the next one that's right and we of course will have our matches to make following that event for alex Kaylee, i am mike heck thank you for listening and just a reminder 
We are not professionals. We are just a couple of fantasy matchmakers trying to make dreams come true for fight fans around the world. So don't take it too seriously. Have fun with it. All right. Have a great Verdum, week. Verdum Akebono. <laughs> Verdum Akebono. Yeah, that's that's too much. And you said Mighty Mo too. We don't want we don't want that. I think the combined age in that fight would be around 100. <laughs> we don't want to see that. But we'll see everybody next week right here on On to the Next One, the podcast. You're listening to the Vox Media Podcast Network.